Welcome to the I Say All That to Say This podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Before we get to that, we'd like to tell you about those that make this podcast possible. Our friends at First Baptist North Spartanburg. First North exists to connect people to God and one another through Jesus Christ, to help them grow in their relationship with Him, and to serve others in the name of Jesus. You can join them in worship led by the choir and orchestra at 9 a.m. or led by the worship band at 11 a.m. each Sunday. Bible Fellowship is in between at 10 a.m. There's something exciting happening for all ages at First North. You can find them on Facebook or online at firstnorth.org, or you can give them a call at 864-578-0509. Again, 864-578-0509 to find out more. Also, our friends over at Avio Sullivan Healthcare. They've been the go-to for chiropractic care in Spartanburg since 1977. At Avio Sullivan, they realize some people are nervous about traditional chiropractic care, and they don't want to hear their joints pop during adjustments. So they have other techniques along with traditional chiropractic to help you no matter your preference. If you've been thinking about trying chiropractic, let me help you with that decision. My family and I have been patients for years and are grateful for the doctors and the great staff. They have gotten us up and running again in some pretty difficult times. I highly recommend giving them a try. Plus, if you mention this podcast, they'll donate 100% of the first day's fees back to Impact Sports. So call them at 864-583-3967. Again, 864-583-3967. Or visit ivosullivan.com today to feel better and to function at your best. Welcome to the I Say All That to Say This podcast, an outreach of Impact Sports International. We seek to use sports as a vehicle to take the gospel to the hard to reach, the lost, and and the forgotten. forgotten. Whether that is just 10 minutes down the road or on the other side of the world. Here is your host. Here's your host. Here's your host. Here's your host, John Andrews. Hey guys, and welcome back to the I Say All That to Say This podcast. I'm your host, John Andrews. As we started 2023, I felt God kind of moving me to use this platform to help highlight other ministries. We've talked a lot about the things we've done with Impact Sports and the places we've served and the lives that have been changed as a result. But as we've moved into this new year, God's really impressed on my heart what I've always known, what I've always believed should be the case. And that is that kingdom workers, those whose main focus is the Great Commission, should be all on the same team. Now, we know that, unfortunately, that's not always the case, but we wanted to use this opportunity and platform that God's given us to do exactly that, to highlight other ministries and help bring along other parts of our team. We've had our other ministry leaders on the podcast before, and I'm so grateful for them. And we're going to continue to do that through the first couple of months of this year and highlight what God is doing in some other places. Now, that may not necessarily be someplace on a map that you can't find. It might be in your own community, and it might be an organization maybe that you've never heard of. It may be something that is, uh, has to do with a team, a professional organization, or something else. But God has put certain people in my path through the years who are using their unique gifts to help point people to Him. And that's what we're all about. So today I want to welcome one of my friends, Dwayne Morris, to the podcast. Welcome, Dwayne. Thanks, John. Man, that's uh, I'm sitting here listening as you're talking. That's that's really good. I, you know, the value of having people all pushing in the same direction. Uh-huh. That's good. Well, we uh, we're all about team sports here, and um, that's why I'm not any good at golf. Is because it's too individual for me. I'm, I'm a team sports guy. 
and uh, we want to bring along others in our journey. So Dwayne's been a friend of mine in ministry for a long time. In fact, our friendship goes back before I was actually in ministry. Um, maybe you guys that are listening remember episode 44 when I had my friend David Andrew Fox on the podcast. And we talked about him being the one that first introduced me to the idea of sports missions. Well, if I give him credit for that, I need to give Dwayne the credit for introducing me to David Andrew Fox. Dwayne was serving as a youth pastor at that point in time, and he introduced me and my wife to David Andrew Fox and really got this ball rolling that is uh, sports missions that we're involved in every day now. Dwayne's a very talented man. He still serves on staff at First North. He served in many capacities. In fact, he served in so many different capacities that people joke that they really don't know what Dwayne does uh, because he wears so many hats. So again, Dwayne, I want to welcome you to I Sell That Say This, and thank you for being a part of what we're doing today. Oh, man, this is this is exciting. Yeah, I'm going back to that introduction, and uh, I've learned a lot about myself over the years in terms of how I how God has wired me, and one of those gifts is this ability to connect people, and that's what was, that was what God was doing. He yeah. was using me as a conduit to uh, work out His plan for both of you, and just to be able to make that introduction and really just to step back and become a spectator to see what God was going to do. Of course, we didn't know then. We sure. were, I was just trying to help yeah. you guys get connected to somebody who was using ministry and something that you love, which mm-hmm. is sports. And so it just seemed like a natural fit. So it's really been a blessing just to see the whole journey unfold. Yeah. Nobody had any idea what was coming. No, not at all. Um, in fact, I remember that night showing up for church late. I think you wanted to introduce us before church, but yeah. we were late because we were literally coming from practice at that point in time. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned, Dwayne is a is a talented guy, and he devours books. Uh, I'm not sure who first said leaders are readers, but Dwayne has taken this to heart uh, very much so. Dwayne's helped uh, lead uh, leadership workshops, but as he said, and I, I, I had already had this written down as a, as a point to make, but Dwayne's a connector at heart, just like he did with me and David Andrew. Um, he loves to connect like-minded people. He loves learning about people and then putting them with people who are moving in the same direction. Uh, Dwayne is also a writer. He released his first book back in 2013 called The Outrageous Life, Letting God Take You from the Ordinary to the Outrageous. And Dwayne has just released his second book entitled Chasing Donkeys, When God Redirects Your Steps. Now, Dwayne, before we get into Chasing Donkeys, I want to take a minute uh, because as soon as somebody hears that, I love I love the title because you've got to ask what this is all about. But before we get there, so you guys that are listening, just hang on a second. Dwayne, give us a little bit of, of your background, your journey, uh, family, your journey into ministry, and especially your, your Jesus story. Gosh, it goes way back to even to college because I was very active in Campus Crusade. Mm-hmm. And I remember... You know, we all have these defining moments in our lives where we look back and, and recognize this is where, no pun intended, but this is where God redirected my steps. Hmm. And I was at a Campus Crusade Christmas conference, and it was just, we were about to take a break, and I can't remember who was speaking, but I do remember in that talk, the Lord began to have a conversation with me. I'm sure you've been there where 
you're in a service of some sort and God begins this conversation. It's like everything around you just kind of just fades away yeah. and it's just you and God yeah. having this conversation. And it was like God said, okay, I was about to finish college and it was like he's, he was saying, all right, what are you going to do next? And I'm like, well, I've, I've been studying to be a teacher. I'm going to go right. and teach teach high school kids. And it was like, he was like, he said, well, what if, what if you let me decide that? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that, um, that's a good idea. But if I say whatever to you, that could be whatever. Right. You know, that could be being a missionary in the heart of Africa or teaching kids in Idaho. You yeah. know, but whatever is whatever, right? Right. And he's like, it is. And so I sat there for what seemed like hours, and a little bit of exaggeration, but just in this wrestling match with God, oh, okay, am I really, really willing to say whatever? Hmm. And I came to the point where I, I knew if I did say whatever, it wasn't going to be the wrong choice. Right. That to say, no, nah, I'll stick with my plan was not going to play out favorably for me. Yeah. It may, I may have been teaching, but it was, I was going to be miserable. So I said, whatever. And that was it. <laughs> no, that wasn't. Hey, come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, there wasn't anything, it, you know, earth shattered. It was just like I had just wrestled this point to the ground that I was completely surrendering to whatever God was going to do. Mm. And so I just stayed the course and went, finished school, started teaching, and truly saw my classroom as a mission field yeah. and saw that as an opportunity to live out the love of Jesus and to engage kids as much as I could as a teacher. You know, there's guidelines there that we sure. have to follow. But I always prayed for opportunities. And in that process, I began working as student pastor at North Spartanburg. And that really opened my eyes to, to ministry to kids who were far from Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I really began to see all of my kids, the ones in my class and the ones that I served at school, church, uh, as kids who needed to know the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that really changed how I engaged the ones at school and engaged the ones here. Out of that opportunity to serve in student ministry, the Lord began to say, the next step is coming. I had one of those, I can take you to where I was standing moments yep. at Chapman High School, uh, looking at a bulletin board. I don't know what I was looking at, but it was like God <laughs> literally walked up and said, okay, it's time for the next step. Wow. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, just basically just follow, go with me here, kind yeah. of thing, kind of the thought I had. And so I just began to pray and I went to my pastor uh, our pastor and said hey as my spiritual leader i need to put this in front of somebody and ask him to to pray with me about this yeah and we agreed and it and just was a, just out of curiosity how many years had you been teaching at this point two okay well i'm sorry two at chapman high school okay three at another, at another school okay so five years in in your yes. education yep. career okay yeah and so um so we would, you know, he would check in every now and then and, and just let me know he was still praying and right. just see how I was doing. And then we had a, a transition at our church where our student pastor left to go uh, to be a student pastor at a church in Atlanta. And I, as a very active volunteer, myself and two other guys assumed the responsibility of speaking each Wednesday night. And so we kind of played the point of, of key speaker facilitator whatever the case may be right and one night he stopped me and said hey uh, i've got to make a visit out your way can i stop by and kind of let you know where we are on this search for a student pastor so sure come on by and so he showed up and kind of started talking about it. we brought this guy in we flew this guy in from here and 
talk to this person, and he said, I just, every time I start praying about those guys, my mind starts drifting back to the conversation you and I had. Hmm. And I have to believe that the Lord is kind of at least saying, you at least need to have the conversation to yeah. see if this is something that you feel like Dwayne may be considering as well. Hmm. And so I just, I wasn't surprised, but I was, because I never thought that that step would unfold so casually. Right. I was waiting for some moment, some defining moment like you read about in scripture yeah. where it's a burning bush kind of thing or at least it, some thunder and lightning right yeah exactly <laughs> there's something where you, you you're not really sure but it's just a very casual thing and i thought well, no i really, never really thought about it but now that you mentioned it there was something that kind of erupted inside of me i thought mm. wow this this may be it you know the lord did tell me something was coming yeah uh, no question about it and so we began to pray about that for several weeks and i finally called him up i said i think i'm in I feel like God is saying this is the next step. And so one of the most affirming things that I went to my principal to tell him that we had made this decision and as I began to unfold this monologue that I had prepared to and tell him I was leaving, he just had this big smile come across his face. Mm-hmm. I said, why are you smiling? He said, I've been wondering how long it's going to take you to take to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. So he already recognized it, yeah. that God had something else in store. And so that was very encouraging. Mm-hmm. So that opened the door for uh, opportunity to serve on staff at our church. Been doing that now for over 26 years. Mm. Uh, most of that was, well, I'm not, that's not true, but the early parts of that was in student ministry. Right. Uh, four years to be exact. And I really believe my call to those kids was for a season, mm-hmm. uh, a defined season, mm-hmm. because it was like God had called me to lead a particular group within the student ministry and help them grow and mature in the faith and a lot of those kids are in the ministry today and um, it's really just baffling to to see how someone who had not been to seminary who yeah. had not been trained in how to make disciples who had not been trained how to lead bible studies none of that stuff yeah was able to mimic the model that I had picked up from Campus Crusade mm. because someone poured into my life that set the stage for me to do what I was doing then, that's all I need to do. Yeah. And so in spending time with those students and pouring into, the, into them, God clearly had a plan to set them up to go on and do some pretty amazing things. Well, and, and just to give you, uh, you guys listening, sort of a picture of the full circle of things, Dwayne's talking about the people that he was able to mentor and lead and disciple, um, going circling back into full time ministry. Producer Jimmy, who's sitting over here, is one of those uh, one of those resulting from Dwayne's ministry. So it's kind of a neat moment, just sitting in the room, realizing how God put all this together. Uh, so tell us your family uh, situation. Uh, tell us about your wife, your kids, yeah. and uh, where they are right now. Super. Thank you for that. You know, everybody, every dad loves to brag on his family and uh, I've been blessed uh, Angela and I met in college mm-hmm. uh, at Clemson and uh, we're in Campus Crusade together and, and got married right after we both graduated uh, I started teaching she went back for a master's and then uh, when she finished she started working corporate America and then we eventually moved back home to be close to uh, free babysitting and that mm-hmm. was the uh, the trigger <laughs> for starting a family and um we had our first child in 96, and that was Taylor, and she is now a graphic designer for Denny's yeah. out and living out in Texas. 
after her was Logan in 98, and Logan is now a uh, professional runner with uh, ASICS. And we had Logan on the podcast right. last year. Yeah. Yep. And then she and Robert, she got married two summers ago, and she and Robert are now living in, in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And um, just living a great life of running and building her influence and her yeah. platform. And then our son, Avery, is a sophomore at Charleston Southern, um, loving college life, making yeah. the most out of it, and um, learning how to improve his craft of videography, mm-hmm. photography. And that'll probably be where he takes his next step. Of course, he's a true creative, so he's all about what it is at the moment. Yeah. And so who knows where he's going to land. That's right. Well, he does some great work. Uh, he's done some stuff for us, and um, you know, as as we, as a culture, become more and more uh, technology dependent, I guess you'd say, yeah. what he does becomes more and more essential for for uh, ministry, and um, and you know, we don't have the people on staff that have those kinds of of tools, and so somebody of Avery's uh, capability and and talents become uh, especially helpful to folks like us. Yeah. So. All right, so uh, as you have um, so eloquently entitled this book, Chasing Donkeys, let's deal with the elephant in the room, or maybe we should say the donkey in the room, right? Yeah. Where does that crazy title come from? That's funny. This um, this book actually was written before the first one was written. Really? In my head, not yeah. on paper. Sure. But somewhere in the writing of The Outrageous Life, God planted this thought in my mind because people asked me then about the next book. I said, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's done. I yeah. just got to put it on paper. Sure. Um, and so in, in the process of either preparing for that book or writing that book, God took me to the passage of Scripture where God called the first king of Israel. For the, for the longest time, he was the king. Mm-hmm. And if you get into the book of Samuel and Judges, you, you see how he would use different key men to facilitate leadership. But at the end of the day, he was the king of Israel. Right. And they, the Israelites, got to a place where they started looking around and, and they basically said, we want a king like everybody else. Like everybody else, yeah. We want we want a king that we can touch and see and and hear and and we want that. Yeah. And so Samuel, the prophet Samuel, tried to put his sons in that place mm-hmm. and they didn't follow the themes of the Lord. Sure. And so they said, We want a, a king. And um they went to Samuel and said, find us a king. And so Samuel didn't know what to do. He went to God and said, they want a king. Mm-hmm. And God's like, I'm the king. Yeah, but they still want a king. And so God relented, you know, basically said, okay, give him a king. And so now Samuel has the idea, has the, not the idea, but has the, the challenge of finding the person to be the very first king. And God said, I'll show you. So then you turn the page and First Samuel 9, and you begin to see where Saul, just an average guy, has a family with his dad and sisters and brothers, and they have a donkey, and mm-hmm. the donkey has gotten out. And so his dad says, we need you to go find a donkey. And so Saul begins this journey of chasing down the donkey. Mm. And he and a servant go to find the donkey, and they don't, they're not having any luck. And so the title 
begins to unfold in this idea that as they were chasing this donkey, they had the opportunity to meet Samuel, who then God says, this is the man I've ordained to be the very first king. Mm -hmm. So Saul wasn't trying to be king. He was just trying to find a donkey. And God used Samuel to redirect his steps to be the very first king. And had he not gone out chasing for the donkey, he wouldn't have crossed paths with Samuel. Exactly. And then the future. Yeah. yeah. And what's even greater, and, and sometimes you've, you, and I'm sure you've experienced this uh, in your own writing, is that you think, oh, I wish I would have done this differently or yeah. I would have expanded this point. Sure. And I think one of the most overlooked components of this story is the conversation between Saul and the servant. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I make reference to it yeah. and I pull it out in, in bits and pieces. But not only if Saul doesn't go chase a donkey, does he not intersect with Samuel. Mm-hmm. If Saul is by himself, mm. after a little bit of resistance, he gives up and goes back home. Right. The servant was the one who kept him yeah, on point. Drove him that way, yeah. And kept saying, let's go find the, the man of God. And, and Saul had excuse after excuse. And every time he had an excuse, the servant had a rebuttal. Mm-hmm. And so finally, Saul said, okay, fine. We'll go talk to the prophet. Yeah. And I believe that's a, a lesson in itself is mm-hmm. that no matter what God is directing our steps toward, we need people in our lives that will help us stay on point because left to ourselves, we tend to give up and go home too quickly. Hmm. That's that's great. Um, as you say that, I'm thinking we talked about team sports earlier, just team sports, um, family life, you know, walking with Jesus, everything. If we have those people that are in our corner and rallying behind us and won't let us quit, um, I, I think that that's, that's essential. Sometimes we, we um, I think, minimize it to accountability partners. Like, we're just going to keep you from messing up. Right. But teammate, they, they, they don't just keep you from messing up. They're, they're pushing you towards greatness. Coaches yeah. push you towards greatness. Yep. And I would even add individuals. Yeah. Uh, Tiger Woods has a coach. Serena Williams. Bennett, uh, Bennett, no. Venus. Venus yeah. Williams. They, they had coaches. Sure. Every excellent athlete in, in a sport where it's a solo endeavor, mm-hmm. there is a coach standing close by giving that encouragement and feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you are, we're like minded like this. I, I, I see the world in movie quotes and music lyrics and just, I'm very visual and you are too. And you're great with all of your illustrations when you share. I don't know that I've ever heard you talk and you didn't have some sort of visual, uh, illustration and you do a great job with that in the book. And there's a couple that I want to point out one, uh, and I want you to kind of walk through this, but it's the, it's the, uh, and you may have the official uh, term. You may have, I don't know if you call it a graphic. It is a graphic. I don't know if you call it a graph. It's bubble into bubble into bubble into bubble yeah. in the book. But um, where you're talking about the different zones that you're moving into, out of, and into in your walk with Jesus and what he's called you to. Uh, walk us through that. Yeah, I, I call them tools, visual okay. tools. Yep. And... Now that you say that, I probably should get this actual diagram. Uh, uh, I like bubble, 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 bubble. 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 Yeah. yeah, bubble within a bubble. But yeah, in chapter nine, it, it's called exiting the comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people go through life staying there way too long. Mm-hmm. And I understand too that 
this this book is not written for everybody, right? Because there are some people that are so entrenched in being in their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. The idea of moving out of their comfort zone toward the growth zone is not even going to be something they consider. Yeah. Because the first step out of the comfort zone is into the fear zone. Mm. And nobody wants to be there because yep. there's a lot of uncertainty and um, fear, no pun intended, but right. just nobody wants to be afraid. Yeah. You know, and I talk about... Well, and there's some uncertainty there too. Yes. And I think that's one of our greatest fear is fear of the unknown. Right. But But different personality types... Some thrive on uncertainty. Some yeah. are like, nope, I don't even yeah. want to consider it. Um, in, in, the, in the fear zone, you know, I give some attributes here that when we're there, we are self-reliant. You mentioned uncertainty. We make excuses, and then we're afraid of what other people think. Yeah. And so uh, that just the the fact that we don't know where something is going to take us or how it's going to play out that alone just makes us stay in that comfort zone. Right. So we have to be willing to lean into the fear, knowing that we're not going to stay there. Mm. Because outside of the fear zone is the learning zone. Right. So if I can get through the fear zone, I can begin to move toward learning. I, I give this illustration in the book from um, a movie called The Village, and mm-hmm. if you've, I don't want to give it away, but they they there's this basically this barrier that the people can't go into and and, and the way they keep them out of that that area is by fear mm-hmm. they establish something that they're all so scared of that they they won't even think about going into right. that and so that's how i think some people are in life is that they they won't even think about going outside their comfort zone because the fear is so strong but if you can lean into that you know lean hard you can push through and then you'll come out into the learning zone and in the learning zone you begin to have a healthy perspective of setbacks you see opportunities as obstacles i'm mm. sorry yes um and then you see obstacles obstacles, yes, as obstacles, yeah. obstacles as opportunities and then you recognize that failure is not final mm. failure uh i don't know if it's in the book or not but you mentioned quotes henry ford says failure is an opportunity to try again more intelligently <laughs> you know yeah and so if you have the right mindset on failure in some ways you're never going to fail because even though you may not attain the, the desired objective if you learn what prevented you from getting it there the first time and you right. regroup and try again um, you will be able to get there I, another quote comes to mind that i, I remember logan uh, the one who runs has it she had it on the mirror in her bathroom growing up and it says a winner is a loser who tried one more time Hmm. and so again just having that different perspective on seeing the challenges that you face not as final but as learning opportunities to to learn about yourself learn about other people and learn what it takes to keep pushing on and if we keep pushing on then we find ourselves in the growth zone and to be in the growth zone you're growth minded you're faith minded uh, you're action oriented, and you're okay to be disturbed. Mm. In that you're not reluctant to that awkwardness or the unknown. You almost see that as an opportunity to see and experience God's presence in a whole new way. Hmm. All right. So that was the comfort zone where we we all find ourselves oftentimes, leading into the fear zone 
And if you get out of that, you get to the learning zone and then ultimately the growth zone. Yep. Uh, I love that picture. And again, that illustration. Uh, and if you want to name it the bubble, the bubble graph, that's mm-hmm. fine with me too. You can, you can give me a little give credit uh, footnote. There. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, another thing you talk about, and this is the, really the second half of the book, really, you talk about the four strategies uh, that you've come up with of how you, the four strategies of your pursuit of whatever it is that God's put in front of you. Right. Uh, if, we're, if we're honest and we really sit down and we ask and we investigate, we know that there's something that God has for each one of us. And the four steps um, you lay out, and of course you go into a lot more detail, uh, but you talk about the four strategies of beginning that journey of finding out what that is. And you list them as uh, to pray, to clarify the vision, to seek out trusted advisors, and then to start. And I found it interesting that you put start at the end uh, of this list because start, that's the beginning, right? Right. But we can sometimes um, – we had some some of our uh, mission partners from the Middle East who are native to that area uh, with us recently, and I was trying to explain to him the phrase paralysis by analysis, and he is not a native English speaker. And so it was hard for but we were talking about it in the context of believers because we try to make it exactly right. You know, and if it's not exactly right, I'm not going to take that step. And so as you pray, as you try to clarify the vision, as you seek out advice from those you trust, we may think that's far enough. And then you put start at the end, which I love. So tell us about those four strategies. Yes. Yeah, the thing I want to make sure your listeners know is that the purpose of this book is to speak into the life of someone who feels like God really is redirecting their steps. Mm. Much like myself, much like you, we weren't, we didn't set out early in life to do what we're doing today. Right. I never, gosh, I did not, when I had to choose what I was going to teach, English was the furthest thing on that list. <laughs> you know, I am teaching math. Yeah. And so to, the fact that we're even having a conversation about me having written two books is and, really. And there's very few numbers in it. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> And so, I, you know, I never envisioned myself as, a, as an author, but God apparently has p- determined that would be something that he would give me uh, favor and, and a, a desire to do. And so the book is written to really for someone who feels like God is really changing their direction and they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so the strategies, while they are not exhaustive and they're not perfect by no means i felt like and i i'm sure you've had those conversations with people who come to you and say i feel like god might be calling me to ministry or mm-hmm. calling me to something or how do you know if you're called you know right and so i wanted to be able to, to have something that someone who was in that boat could say okay if i don't know what else to do here's four things i can do and, and the one be to pray sure and to really seek God's direction in their life, not so much pray or tell me what to do, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, a vibrant prayer life is more about just falling more in love with Him and having more communication to Him with Him than just a token blessing uh, at the meal, at sure. the table. And so I wanted to really call people up to to be people who were committed to seeking God's will 
in this idea of prayer and, and seeking and really listening because uh, so much of prayer sometimes is not so much about what we say but what we hear him say back to us mm. and then you move into trusted uh, clarifying the vision and that's probably the the one section of the book i'm most excited about because yeah. uh, in it i give what i felt like the lord put inside me this idea of a purpose puzzle mm-hmm. yeah i love the puzzle yeah i think so many people struggle with what's my purpose mm-hmm they recognize there's more to life. I quote the old Stephen Curtis Chapman song, there's more to life than living and dying. Mm-hmm. And um, you see, kid, back in the day, there was a guy named Stephen Curtis Chapman. <laughs> <laughs> and he wrote a lot of good songs. Yeah. And, um, but, but that song uh, was a, a big one for me. But that life is more than living and dying. And, and if you want to know your purpose, you, you've got to figure out a way to at least know where to begin and the the components of that i don't give it all away because there's, there's questions that you can kind of work through but yeah. the com- the key components of using a, a puzzle as the illustration is that when you put a puzzle together what do you start you start with the corners, the corners yeah. and so the corners of the purpose puzzle are go back to the two greatest commandments they asked jesus you know if we don't do anything else what do we do mm-hmm. and he simply said love god and love people so you've got those two components. But here's the cool thing. The word love can be a verb and a noun. Mm-hmm. And so to love God noun is to love him with affection. To love God verb is to love him with action. Mm. Same thing with people. Love people with affection. Learn, learn to love the people around you and have an affection for them. And then to love them with action um, and by serving them and doing things that are building them up. You put those in place, and then when you put a puzzle together, the next thing are the edges. The edges, yeah. And so I've given you four key questions to um, to process, and then questions under each of those to know really, well, it, not even know, but I begin at least begin to um, pursue what it is that God maybe have equipped you to do. Mm-hmm. And I'll just give you those real quick. Now, what are my desires? What are my talents? What are my opportunities? And where am I growing? And so working through all of that, I just, I remember when I did this for myself the very first time. And um, I was listening to a talk from Catalyst. And it, this is when God kind of said, you need to figure out what I've called you to do. Hmm. And I began this process. And it wasn't this by no means, but it's just this process of just thinking and praying and looking out at how God had equipped me to serve and what really stoked my heart and just working through that. I, I remember keeping a, a piece of paper in my car and I would start writing out what I felt like my purpose was. Mm-hmm. And I would work, write it out, work it, reword it, until finally I kind of landed on this idea that at least for this season of life, my purpose is to help people get the most out of life. Mm. And doing things like writing this book is, is something that contributes to that component of helping other people figure out how God had wired them and how they can serve him. As you're, as you're talking about the puzzle, I'm looking at it in the book, and you, again, you ask, what are my desires? What are my talents? What are my opportunities? Uh, and then, of course, where am I growing? But the desires and the talents and the opportunities we've used a lot uh, because of the people we work with. There's that overlapping connection of sports. Um, but I, as you're talking, I'm, I'm, I'm 
hearing Ephesians 2.10 in my head, for we are God's workmanship, we are his masterpiece, right. uh, we are his craftsmanship. Some, some translations even say poetry, uh, created in Christ Jesus. So his, his design, his perf- his, and, and that's the thing about a masterpiece, is there's only one, right? right? Yep. And so there's one you, there's one me, there's one producer, Jimmy. Um, thank goodness. Uh, <clears throat> but but there's there's one of us, and that's the way he's crafted us. He's, he uh, has crafted us, created us in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he planned in advance for us to do. And so this idea of what are my desires? It's not an accident. The things that fire us up, that right. get us going. You know, what are my talents? What, where am I gifted? That's not an action. That's purposeful. Uh, that's the way God uh, uniquely wired us and equipped us. And then the opportunity he puts in front of you, your opportunities each day are different than my opportunities. Right. And um, everybody that's listening, they all have those different opportunities each day. And I think that's a great place to start. Yeah. I go back to, and, and for your listeners, John has mentioned uh, several times in the book, and a lot of the, the, the references that I use in the book come from a conversation we had at the Mexican restaurant uh, across <laughs> the street. Yeah. And, um, and you were sharing your experience of, of just the frustration of wanting to do ministry full-time, but it was like you, you were just hitting barrier after barrier. Yeah. And you referenced a conversation you had with Robbie, mm-hmm. and um, that's something you'd be willing to share. Yeah, sure. Uh, I was uh, well. First of all, you, you confirmed it in my spirit just now. God moves through burritos, uh, <laughs> so let's get that out there. Uh, but while we were talking, I was telling you a story of um, we we were we had a uh, we had a a vision in front of us of us being in full time sports missions. And the vision of us being a full-time sports missions included us being overseas somewhere full-time. And so we were going through ascending organization, trying to, and just we're getting frustrated with the lack of progress. And, and there were some issues with, with our child health and all that kind of stuff. But um, in this process, I was talking with Robbie, one of my mentors, and, and he said, uh, let's, just, let's just say, let's just role play for a minute. Because we tried, and, and I've seen this, play out and I've used this story many many times over since in in the lives of people that I've been uh connected with but we we make finding God's will you know this seemingly unattainable almost mystical thing out there we find it just it's too hard and and sort of back to that paralysis analysis if I don't find the exact thing that is God's specific will for my life then I'm not going to move and really, I found in my own life uh, and in the lives of people that are close to me, God moves us as we move, and he directs us as we move. He's not going to give us all the directions if we're just going to stand still. And <clears throat> so he was saying, he asked the question, he said, listen, I've known you guys for five years now. I know you're, you're seeking God's will for your life. He said, you just tell me what you want to do with your life, and I'll make it my will instead of the other way around. And I just sat dumbfounded there for a minute, and I thought, wow, I've never thought about it that way. Because we're always trying to get our will to match his. Yep. Never never the reverse. And so I was, I was not prepared for the question, but I was also not prepared for the answer that just spilled out of my mouth immediately. And I had never spoken these words, never articulated these feelings. And I said, well, that's easy. 
I want to travel to other countries and cultures where people don't have a chance to hear because someone has decided for them they're not going to hear. And I want to be God's mouthpiece in those in those uh, contexts. I want to take people with us and see God work in their lives like he did mine. And then I want to do it more than just two weeks every summer, which is the what was happening as I was teaching at the time. And I'd never said those words before, and I was not prepared for the question. It's just what spilled out. It was the overflow of my heart. And since then, I've understood what Psalm 37.4 says, delight in me, and I'll give you the desires of your heart. And so we had spent those five years, that was a five-year stretch of walking through what it looked like, what ultimately our ministry was going to look like. And there have been more steps since. But the time we walked away from our <clears throat> our teaching careers and into ministry full-time, it was five years. <clears throat> and that time was marked by... Um, our hearts growing more like his and us becoming more like him. Now, we still, and that was 20-something years ago, we still have a long way to go, but our hearts were becoming more like his. And so when Robbie that day asked me what I wanted, looking back on it, it's what God wanted for me. Right. But I had begun to delight in the things of him, and when that happens, we end up wanting the things that he wants for us in the first place. Right which is better than what we want for us in the first place. Exactly. And so in that moment, um, I, I, I suddenly articulated what God had, had been crafting my heart towards over that five-year period. That's great. Yeah, and I think the, the key component there is just the uh, submissive heart, that, that we're not locked in on just what we want, is that we really do want what he wants. And then when he puts those desires, it's just blows us away when we end up getting to see those fulfilled mm. all right so i want to i want to not end because we still have a few more minutes but i i want to go through a speed round with you okay. okay uh you've already thrown out and and you're known for this and part of it is because you read so much uh but you've already spouted out five or six different quotes from other people uh, <clears throat> so i'm going to do the same thing but they're quotes from your book Oh, gosh. Okay. okay. And so we're going to kind of go with, uh, with a speed round. Yeah. So I'm going to read a quote from your book, and you've got 20 to 25 seconds to explain that quote to us. Okay. All right. Can you, you, yeah. think, you think you can do is, that? I'm excited about that. Okay. This All right. Fun. So these are, these are quotes right out of Chasing Donkeys that I pulled out, things that I, as I was reading, I just underlined because I found important. So okay. um, the ones we're going we're gonna to walk through are things that I found to be challenging. All right. So. Defining moments. We seldom recognize them when they show up at our doorsteps. Go. Defining moments. Because we tend to see them as commonplace. Hmm. And I'm afraid sometimes we don't slow down and recognize that the things that happen in our lives are for a bigger purpose. And if we will look for them, they can be vital in understanding how God is directing our steps. Hmm. That's good. And that was about 18 seconds. Perfect. Uh, actually, I just made that up. I don't yeah. know how long that was. I'm not timing you. Uh, next quote. God's desire is that we never become satisfied or complacent in our relationship with him and how we engage others. Oh, man, that's that's my heartbeat. Hmm. It, it, it's that too many, and I think I, I don't think, I know I reference this. I don't hit it as hard as I do sometimes in public, but 
one of my greatest fears is that we live in a culture of Matthew seven twenty one Christians. Mm. Matthew seven twenty one talks about not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And if you keep reading, those people have this long list of all the things they did to justify why mm-hmm. they should get in heaven. Yeah. And Jesus said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, because I never knew you. Mm. And my greatest fear is that people are missing out on a thriving, growing relationship with God because they've said a prayer, they've done some things, they've done some really nice things, mm-hmm. all to build their spiritual resume. And there's going to come a day when that doesn't play out how they expected. Hmm. Well, and and I can hear pastors, and there are probably a couple thousand in the U.S. today that said, we should never get complacent in our relationship with him. But you said we should also never get complacent in how we engage others. And I found that interesting. You want to? Yeah, I mean, just because we, we are creatures of habit and we can pass opportunities by because we it's not convenient for us whether it's the person on the side of the road the co-worker who's suffered a tragic loss and you want to minister to them and yeah. make all these reasons why you shouldn't mm. because it's just easier to not do it mm. that's good all right next one sometimes we have to be far from what we know is safe and familiar before we can see what is fresh and new <laughs> that is very good um I think we're just going back to the comfort zone. We just like it there. We don't like being uh, in the area of not knowing where we're headed. And so it takes us sometimes to get, it's like when you go on a a trip somewhere that you've never been before. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you're able to get out of where you've always been, you're able to see things that are fresh and new. Mm -hmm. And so I think just getting into those situations, it's, it's like going on a trip with Impact Sports. You know, think about the guys and girls that you've taken that their lives have been rocked. Oh, yeah. Not because of what they've been doing, but where they've done it and the people they've been around. Mm-hmm. And so you have to put yourself in those situations. Well, I think to, to that point, a lot of times we are so dull our senses are so dull because we see, hear, and feel so much all the time. We're overstimulated, and in context where you're talking, uh, we are we're moving people out of where they're comfortable and moving people into something that is brand new, and so their uh, their senses are on ultra sensitivity mode, right? Yes. And so they are seeing and feeling and hearing things that they may not have because they would have been dulled out by the things they see here and feel back home. Exactly. Any any trip that I've been a part of uh, overseas or really the, any mission trip locally either is that those are life-changing experiences. Mm-hmm. If I want my life to be different tomorrow than it is today and I don't know what to do, go on a trip, go on a mission trip yeah. and put yourself in a situation where God has to show up. Mm-hmm. When I've been to San Diego. I've been to... Uh, Orlando, I've been to Nicaragua, I've been to Romania, and each of those trips, I find myself in those environments, drifting to this place of, okay, Lord, is this the next step? Yeah. And it, and it's not because I go looking for that conversation. It's right. just like when I get there, God stirs my heart to the point that I think, maybe this isn't what He's doing next, and I have to get away from 
home to, to yeah. experience that. Yeah. Uh, love this. Resist the temptation to respond with all the reasons you can't be successful. When you do this, you're putting God in a box. And guess what? He won't fit. Yeah. We tend to see life first through our limited abilities. Mm. And so we immediately begin to think, well, I'm not qualified. I don't have that skill. And we have all these excuses that justify our our ability, our choice to not pursue whatever that is in front of us. Mm. And again, what I'm trying to do in this book is just compel people to not listen to the first thing that comes to their mind and to their heart because typically it's not going to be anything that's going to push them forward. It's going to try to keep them hold them back. Yeah, to yeah. this place of safety and comfort hmm. and, uh, and, and complacency. And you're going to miss out on something pretty incredible. Hmm. Uh, next one. An excuse is a lie we tell ourselves to avoid the truth. It is where we go when we are not ready to trust him. Yes. And anytime we start saying to ourselves, yeah, but you don't know of this, or I, oh, I have to do this, I think what we're doing is just trying to put up something that'll justify our resistance. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just trying to get people to recognize the first thing out of your mouth or the first thing into your head is going to be self-preservation mm-hmm. and typically when you are hiding behind self-preservation uh, you're either afraid of something you're trying to prove something mm. or you're trying not to lose something mm. and so if i can answer those three questions what am i trying to hide what am i trying to prove what am i afraid of losing and get clarity on those three things we may just find that what we perceive as behind that wall is not as big as we think it is. Hmm. All right, last one. It's a little bit longer, so hang with me here. Okay. Just to make sure we get the whole, uh, our readers get the whole, our listeners get the whole uh, story. You wrote, my greatest fear has always been that I would reach the end of my life, journey to my heavenly home, and be greeted by my heavenly Father with these words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You did a good job with all you had. Now let me show you what I wanted you to do. And then the creator of the universe would begin to show me countless opportunities and people I missed because I played it safe and predictable. Yep. Now, that, that is with a little bit of spiritual creativity. That, there's no scripture that backs that up. Sure. But, man, what a, what a compelling fear to, to think that we did life so casually and so comfortable that we missed um, what it is he had in store for us. Mm. And, you know, I, going back to, you know, telling you earlier about what I felt like God had called me to do was to help people get the most out of life. Right. That is anchored to John 10, 10, mm-hmm. where he said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And, that's my greatest desire is that I live a life that is surrendered to him, fully surrendered. Um, I, I heard Dr. Charles Stanley a long time ago. <laughs> I was one of those weird kids in high school that actually listened to preaching <laughs> and, and in my car. And so I was listening to 
Charles Stanley one one afternoon, one night, I don't know when, but he said that God will fully use a life that is fully surrendered to him. Mm -hmm. And that's really the desire is that people would be in a place where they would fully surrender and see what what that abundant life looks like so that they can experience life at a whole nother level mm -hmm. beyond what they can actually think or imagine yeah. to what you said earlier. Yeah. I, that struck me because I, I think if asked the question, every believer would say, yes, I want Jesus to tell me when I get to heaven, well done, good and faithful servant. And uh, I think we would all agree. Yeah, let's 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 long for that. But when you said you added, you said scriptural freedom. You added the part. But let me show you what you could have done. Yeah, I don't ever want to be there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah and that's that takes the heart of seeking to allow God to work us over. Mm -hmm. In the book, I, I want to just get this quick excerpt from one of the poems that I, I share called um, Disturb Us, Lord. And it says, Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, and when we have arrived safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Mm. And that's the life that, that I'm trying to call people out of is don't play it safe all the time. Yeah. And I recognize that God wired us differently, but I think if we will pay attention to how he has wired us and begin to pursue ways to serve him and give honor to him, that's his greatest desire. Yeah. You know, at the end of it all, I, I tell people, it, it's, it's captivating as the Lord has given me with this title to, to put on the front of a book because a lot of people see it and they, and they ask what yeah. it's about. It, yeah. I, the, I've been blessed there. At the end of the day, the, my greatest desire is that people would find a closer relationship with God. Mm. You know, they would be so driven by His presence that they would understand. And this is a new thought that I had over the weekend. And forgive me for not knowing, maybe you can help me. But either Joshua or Moses, one, had a conversation with God. And they basically, basically said, if I go to the promised land and you're not there, I don't want to go. go. Yeah. And so the, I want that to be my desire is that no matter where I go, it's that I'm going with him, not ahead of him, mm. or not without him, mm -hmm. because he is the ultimate goal in all of this. No matter where we're going, no matter what we're chasing, at the end of the day, we should be chasing harder after him than anything else. Mm. That's good. All right, guys, I say all that to say this, or better yet, Dwayne said all that to say this. God has a plan for your life that only you can fill. He has a specific plan for you, and there are people who are waiting on you to fulfill it. There are people in our lives that are waiting on us to fulfill the purpose that God has placed on our life. You simply have to ask God to direct you and give you the courage to leave your comfort zone behind. Dwayne, thank you for being a part of the podcast today, and I'll never look at a donkey the same way. <laughs> hey, thank you for the opportunity <laughs> and uh, the support. Uh, I appreciate you know, just to be able to have a, uh, a seat on this bus of watching what God's doing in your life, yeah. and uh, it's been exciting to watch mm -hmm. and still exciting to see where it goes. Well, thanks. You can find out more about Chasing Donkeys at thechasingdonkeybook.com. That's even fun to say, thechasingdonkeybook.com. Uh, go there to find out more of the backstory behind the, uh, the book, and then that will send you to Amazon. You can search for Dwayne Morris or Chasing Donkeys on Amazon and pick up the book there. 
As a reminder, we will release this podcast on the first and third Tuesdays of every month. If you're brand new to the podcast, you can go back and check out episode one and learn a little bit more about Impact Sports, what we do, but more importantly, why we do it. If you'd like to hear more from us, we are now sending out a weekly email devotional called Thoughts from Outside the Boat. If you'd like to sign up to get those weekly, you can go to utterlyamazed.com and sign up right there on the homepage. To find out more about our ministry, you can go to impactsportsonline.org or you can follow us on social media on Instagram and Facebook. We'll see you next time on I Say All That to Say This. Thank you.